Um, I, I want to take the time today to, um, to talk to you. I'm going to use this real quick to prop this up a bit. This is really cool. Look, check that out. Amen. <laughs> I want to take the time today to talk to, to you about being a part of the body of Christ. You know, we, we are celebrating membership here at The Rock. We're celebrating membership here at The Rock. But I want to talk to you about celebrating being a member of the body of Christ, right? Because that's what the membership is about here at The Rock, people who are committing to Jesus Christ. And I tell you, some would say, well, you know, um, is that necessary? Absolutely. I truly believe that it's a part of accountability and of covenant uh, relationship that honors God. And, um, you know, I, I just read a book that talked about, hey, if you're going to be a member of the church in Iran that's underground, you know what they do. You have to be willing to commit to give your life from the gate. You got to be willing to give your all from the gate. If you're not willing to lose your life for Christ, they don't accept you in the church. I think, wow, that's a pretty powerful commitment. So today I want to talk to you about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and to respond to that call and to say yes to the body of Christ. And before I, before I do that, I want to talk to you about this. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever worked at a place where a coworker was promoted to be your superior? Hopefully that was a wonderful experience for you. There was a time where I walked in, in a very prestigious place. I don't know if you heard it. It's called Taco Bell. And uh, I mean, it was just, it was an awesome place. It's a great time in my life. But while I worked there, there was a friend who was just really dynamic, really carried the presence of God where he went, was the epitome of, of servant, just knew how to serve, knew how to encourage. He hated gossip. Like if anybody was gossiping about leaders or if anybody was sneaking a burrito during shift, come on, somebody. It happened, okay, Nick? Don't judge me. But if that was, you know, if anything like that was happening, he was there to be like, hey, brother, we're not supposed to do that. You know, it, just, it was just an awesome encouragement to everybody that worked there, saved and unsaved, right? Just, just really, it was awesome to see. And I looked forward to working with him because I knew that he would set the right atmosphere. You know those people that you like to be around because they set the right atmosphere? right? Well, then he got promoted. And I don't know what happened, but something drastically <laughs> changed. Literally, the moment this person was promoted to supervisor, there was a shift in their persona. Before, they were a team player, and uh, then they went to being kind of miserable and critical. Before, they showed the fruit of the Spirit, then he actually became more secular, uh, before he would always be encouraging, and then all of a sudden he was just slipping cuss words and stuff. Before, you know, he was really big about making sure that we did things in excellence, but now it just felt like we were being nitpicked at everything, and nobody wanted to work with that person. And I thought to myself, man, this is a terrible testimony of Jesus, of, of Jesus Christ. Everybody knows he's a believer, and somehow this promotion has messed him up, right? And... Uh, Unfortunately, it wasn't just the job where he lost his testimony, but he had, a, 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 you know, just some real shortcomings in his life, and it really took a lot for him to get things back in order. And I thought to myself as I looked at that, I said, God, what was that about? What was that about? And it really just hit me that the promotion got to his head. The position got to his head. Instead of seeing his new role as an opportunity to serve, he saw it as an opportunity to demand. Instead of seeing his new role as an opportunity to encourage, he saw it as an opportunity to criticize. Instead of seeing his role as an opportunity to support others, he saw it as an opportunity to show superiority. 
And nobody likes to work around that person. Anybody with me? He got the promotion he wanted. I want you to listen. He got the promotion he wanted, but he also lost the leadership he had. He got the promotion that he wanted, but in the process, he lost the leadership that he already had that got him the promotion. The story in mind, I'd like to share with you about what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. What it means to say yes to the call of God and to grow and mature in Christ. Anybody ever heard that old song that says, take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first believed. Anybody ever heard that old song? Some people would say, well, we shouldn't be singing about going back because we should be moving forward in Jesus' name. All right, you just keep moving forward. (laughs) Sometimes it's good to ask God, take me back. It's a saying, God, I want to have that reverence all the days of my life. I want to be in, in awe of the word that you're speaking. I, I want to be in awe of what you're doing in the body of Christ. I want to have reverence for leadership from my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I want to have a heart that's hungry for God. I'm, I want to continue in that reality. I think sometimes it's okay to say, God, take me back. And so uh, when I think... When I think about what I see sometimes in church membership or as we grow up, we can make a, a really a terrible trade of, of being promoted, of growing in the church and diminishing in passion and in reverence for Christ. I know that I've experienced that. I know that I've experienced that. <laughs> now I speak in tongues, so <laughs> I've arrived. Oh, now I'm a member, so ho <laughs> I got it all together and a bag of chips, life from the pit, right? Well, I'm leading a Bible study. Well, I'm leading in my school. I, I, you know, I, I am preaching now on the preaching team. Oh, I'm leading worship. All of these different things that God really has called us to, that we may aspire to. Something could happen that if we lose rever- uh, reverence, familiarity breeds contempt. Have you ever heard that saying? And we become familiar with those things that are just gifts and God's grace and God's mercy. And before you know it, we take for granted being a part of the body of Christ. Membership. We take for granted Worship, we take for granted the word of God that we hear week after week, the study Bible that was given to us with all these notes, right? And all of these wonderful resources and things that God has for us. I want you, no matter what church you belong to, whether you belong to The Rock, or whether you belong to another church, or whether uh, you're, you're in the process of seeking God about what that is, I want you to grow in your first love. And I want you to grow as a member who walks in reverence and is grateful for God's grace, no matter where God leads you. Whether you're going to be here at the rock or God leads you somewhere else, I care more about the kingdom of God, right? That's the greater responsibility, and that's why we exist and why we're here today. So I want to tell you, there's this incredible book called I Am a Church Member that I love for you to pick up. It's about 70 pages long, and it's super small. It's one of my favorite books, not only because of its size, it's a great read, right? It's a great read. And some of the things that i like to share with you are, 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 are things that are in that book. I'd love for you guys to get a copy of that. It doesn't cost more than $5. It'll be worth your read. 
But let me just tell you six things really quickly. Six things. What church membership is about. What it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Number one, church membership is not about perks. Church membership is about growing as givers and as servant leaders. Church membership is not about signing up to a club. Oftentimes, you know, when you sign up to a club, you expect certain things. You expect certain things to be in a certain place. And, you know, if I'm a part of the YMCA, I expect there there to be a weight room. I expect there to be certain things that would allow me to work out. I want there to be a gymnasium so I can play basketball. I love the steam room that it's in the YMCA. And you know the reality is, is that I'm so used to some of those things being there that sometimes when things are not in place, kind of get this attitude that it's not right, right? I'm like, well, where's the, why, why aren't the weights stacked the right ways? <laughs> right? Whatever it may be. And there is this sense that sometimes when we become a, a church member, there may be this attitude that we adopt that, that says, you know, now that I am a member, I have the right to demand. And I believe that before we look at membership as demanding, that we need to see membership as an opportunity to serve. We look at Jesus Christ, and I'm just going to go through the scripture really quickly. I'm not going to read it. But John chapter 13 tells us about Jesus. Not only did he call his disciples to follow him, not only did he call his disciples to pick up his cross, their cross and die, but the Bible says that Jesus, while he was sitting at supper with them before they ate, that he, knowing who he was, knowing that he was going to the Father, knowing that he had been sent by the Father, he chose to go down on his knees and wash his disciples' feet and serve. And I find that pretty incredible because here John 13 tells us that at the moment where Jesus was completely assured, whatever that looks like for the Son of God, of the fact that he came from God, that he was sent from from God, and that he was going to go back to God, at that moment where full confidence was in him and he knew that reality, the first thing he did was serve. A confident, alive church is not a critical church, but a servant church. Are you with me? A confident, alive church is a church who understands that leadership is not about superiority. It's not about perks. It's about leading in my, ser- in my serving. It's about leading in my humility. It's about leading in my giving, being invested as God calls me to be for the kingdom. Number two, church membership is not about pulling ranks. It's about unifying the body. It's about unity. 1 Corinthians 13.1 was meant actually for the church. Did you know that? We use it in weddings, and we use it, you know, in, in cards, Valentine cards and the such. But really, it was meant for the church body and how we're supposed to take care of each other. The Word of God says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And by the way, that reference is to idolatry. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels and I don't have love, all I'm doing is committing idolatry. That's the concept that Paul is trying to, to, to communicate here. You can have the gifts, but if you don't have love, might as well be idolatry. Because the idea of a clanging cymbal, a noising gong, that was, that was an example that was used clearly by those who worship idols in the community of Corinth. 
And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then when we see him face to face, we will see him in his full glory, right? Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. For sure, this is a powerful portion of Scripture, but one of the major things that Paul wants us to walk away with is understanding this reality. This is the way, Carlos, that you're supposed to trip Brother Rick and Brother Justin. This is the way that you're supposed to walk with the body of Jesus Christ. Don't make much of your gifts. Thank God for your gifts. Don't make much of speaking in tongues and prophecies. Praise God for all those things. But make sure that to the core of you, there's love in the way that you carry yourself within the church body. I know for a fact that one of the things that Paul was communicating here is, hey, right now God's given us the gifts. Praise God for those gifts. They matter because we're on this side of eternity, and God uses those gifts to communicate his truth to us. But one day, we're not going to have a need for those gifts because we're going to be fully transformed and we're going to be in his glory face to face. And you know what you will need then? Love. And if you don't have it now, you ain't going to have it then. The gifts, they're powerful. But unity comes through a commitment to love. That also means loving difficult people. That also means loving in the midst of conflict. That also means loving when we don't agree. Learning to commit to the unity of the church body and not to pulling rank to saying, hey, you know, it's about where I'm at or whatever, where I've arrived. Church membership is not about preference. It is about the vision that God has given. The next thing is church membership is not about preference. It is about the vision that God has given. A good friend of ours says all the time, if vision doesn't unite us, preference will divide us. If vision doesn't unite us, preference will divide us. You know, I was just reading this portion of Scripture, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, there's a, in Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, hey, who are they saying that I am? He said, well, some people think that you're... Elijah, some people think that you're John the Baptist. There's all kinds of rumors about you, Jesus. And Jesus said, but who do you guys think that I am? And Peter said, you are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus blesses Peter right away, right? He says, blessed are you, Peter, right? Because why? Because this was not revealed to you by flesh, but by the spirit of God. 
is a very powerful declaration of God saying, wow, Peter, man, praise God. Blessed are you. This is the revelation of God. And on that revelation, I'm going to build the church. Blessed are you, Peter. And just a couple verses down. Just a couple verses down. Jesus says, praise God, that is the true revelation. And let me tell you what's going to happen as a son of God. I'm going to be crucified. And Peter said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let that happen. Not me. I mean, it's in the same conversation, y'all. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter. That's from God. Get behind me, Satan. That's not from God. Have you ever saw that? It all happens right there. And I want you to know something. God is speaking to you and revealing to you some very powerful things related to his kingdom and to his vision and what he's about to do and about who he is. But he is not telling you everything. And sometimes God will reveal something to you that he's about to do, but he's not revealing to you practically how that's going to work itself out. But you and I have a tendency to want to practically work everything out. And God says, you're not the Messiah. And at the same time that you'll have 100% the revelation of God, you can also have influence that's not of God operating. Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you. That's a revelation from the Holy Spirit. But see, that right there is the devil. Get behind me. All at the same time. You need to accept the reality that Jesus can say those things to you in the same conversation. A pastor used to say all the time after saying something crazy like that, smile, Jesus loves you. So yeah, okay. But it's the truth. If vision, church membership is not about preference, it is about the vision God has given. And I want to just tell you something just like Peter. Peter said, yeah, you're the son of God. I got that vision. I know who you are. But I'm not okay about how that's going to work itself out. I'm not okay with how that's working out. And I got to tell you, when we become a part of the membership of the body of Jesus Christ, we got to say, okay, God, we're going to give you control. Because there are some things I don't like, but I'm going to allow you to have your way. And that's not just, I'm not just telling you that that's a reality for you. That's like the reality of life for me, like 24-7. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've prayed, okay, God. Come on, send your laborers. Jesus, you said to pray for laborers. I need you to just supply the laborers for this ministry. I need this ministry to move forward. God, would you make this happen? No. Well, God, but you said to pray for laborers. Yeah, for my work, not yours. That's your work. I'm not giving you laborers for your work. Is, that, is it just me? <laughs> This is what God does. And as God says, yes, you're right. Pray for laborers. And I'm going to supply them, but not for your work. Not for your way. Church membership is not about criticizing leadership. Church membership is about praying for them. Hebrews 13, 7 and 17 and 18 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. 
For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I'm going to call us back. I'm going to call us back and I'm going to call the church to balance in this area. I got to tell you that as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have to make a commitment and not take myself too seriously. Jesus is on the throne. He's the Savior and not me. Right? I got to be able to laugh at myself, laugh at my mistakes, and they are plenty. Nobody say amen too loudly. (laughs) But they are plenty. Right? But there's also a reality that as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. The Bible said to Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely so that you would save yourself and your hearers. That's a powerful scripture. Had a conversation with some people who were arguing about some, some ignorant stuff, and they'd say, well, doctrine doesn't matter. All you have to do is love people. Doctrine matters. Doctrine is not just superfluous beliefs that different churches and denominations have, but who Jesus Christ is, what he's done, Right? The prophecies that he's fulfilled and the law that he's also fulfilled. Listen, doctrine matters. Truth matters. And I want to call you, whether you're part of the church here at The Rock or another church, to pray for the church as a whole that ministers would rise up and not compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to pray for leaders who minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and recognize that they go to bed praying, understanding that there is a great responsibility that God has placed on those who teach his word. There's a balance that has to take place here, right? We got to not take ourselves so seriously, but we got to be responsible with the call of God in our lives. Amen? Church membership is not about disengagement as a family, but engaging the family. Church members is not, membership is not about disengagement as a family, but engaging the family. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. You shall therefore lay up... These words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, and when you are walking by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. Listen, culturally speaking, the biblical reality of family is so different from the reality of family that we may experience in our culture today. And one of the major things that uh, Rebecca and I were just talking about this week is that if you look at the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, it seems like there's not much that is said about parenting. It seems like parenting is not like there's chapters with all kinds of expositions on how to be a parent. And why is that? And part of why that is, I believe, is because there is, a, there is a difference in the Eastern family than there is in the Western family. There's already a deep commitment to honor and reverence that was already implied from the gate. That was a reality. It's kind of like the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States only works if a free people value it and desire freedom and understand what tyranny really looks like. Right? But if someone doesn't honor, doesn't understand those things, then it's not really a valuable document. Well, in the same way, a lot of the principles that the Bible teaches us, it's teaching us from an Eastern perspective of how they do family. One of the things that we see there is that families never, ever, 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 ever left their kids to be taught by somebody else what they did their own thing. 
Families never, ever, ever, ever went to the synagogue and said, you guys go over there and we'll come over here. We'll deal with you later. Families never, ever, ever disengage in the spiritual formation of their children. And becoming a member of The Rock as families with kids, it's not, oh, I go to The Rock so that I can get my kids over there in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Even though sometimes we need to do that. We need a break. (laughs) If you got toddlers, I got you. I got you in the name of Jesus. I know. I know. But listen, it is about intentionally saying, I am going to engage in the discipleship process because I am the number one shepherd of my children's life. And I'm thankful that at The Rock, they're supporting me in my shepherding. It's not this idea that I come to The Rock so that my kids can be shepherded and I don't have to deal with them. We should be thriving in equipping you so that you can shepherd your kids. And we should be challenging you, encouraging you. One time I remember, I'm so thankful for Kids Ministry here at The Rock. And can we give Kids Ministry a hand? And they're helping us right now. But I remember going home one day, Elena's looking at me. If you know anything, Elena's my 10-year-old. She's kind of got this look. Like she starts staring at you. Like she's about to ask you this question, but she's breaking you down with the stare. Okay. Yes. You know what's going on? She goes, Dad, I want you to pray in the spirit more. I need to hear more of that, okay? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. I need to hear you more, pray in the spirit more. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's some accountability happening right here. <laughs> I thought that's pretty cool, right? There are times for my kids, I, I'm so thankful for the church body because the things that you say to them, right? The life of Jesus that you pour in them as you minister to my kids, now they minister back to me, right? And, and it just flows. This is what the church community is all about. I'm so glad that my kids get to grow up in an environment where people love Jesus. Right? But that doesn't mean that I'm disengaged. It is my responsibility And we'll close with this. Church membership is not about entitlement. It's about reverence for the work and the kingdom of God. One of the um, biggest things that the Lord continues to crush in me and say, I got to get rid of that in you. Something that the Lord is, I'm saying it's not something I've been 100% delivered from, okay? I'm not saying that I'm making excuses for it. I'm just saying that still I'm eating that humble pie. It's still taking place. And that is that God is breaking entitlement in me. Sometimes I have an entitlement nature. I say, oh, things need to be like this. I deserve this. This is my right. And God says, your right is the cross, bud. Get on it and die. Right? And, uh, One of the stories that really have ministered to me throughout the years is the story of a king named Uzziah, who at the age of 16 was chosen by God to be king of of, of the people of God in Judah. And he was a wonderful, wonderful king who obeyed God, who listened to the word of the prophets, who always obeyed exactly what God wanted as a young man. And God really blessed him because he was sensitive to the word of the Lord and God prospered him, allowed him to build a lot of things, allow him to have a lot of victory. But then something happened in the life of Uzziah. He moved from reverence 
to familiarity. And that's the danger that can happen to any of us. Moving from reverence to familiarity. Listen to what the scripture says when that shift happened in his heart. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. It's one of the scariest verses in the Bible. But he, when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead and they rushed him out quickly and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was over the king's household, governing the people of the land. It's like, what is going on here? Here's Uzziah. God's blessing him. God's using him. God is really prospering him. He grows proud to the point of destruction. He doesn't have reverence for the things that God put in place. And he thinks, well, I'm going to do whatever I see fit in my heart with the things of God. And he begins to minister according to how he sees fit to minister. Not consulting God, not consulting the process that God had in place. Let me tell you, there's a lot of good things that you can do, but if God didn't call you to do them, don't do them. Right? And so he went to do whatever he saw he thought that he was fit to do. And when he went to do them, praise God for the people of God who went to speak to him and they rebuked them. So King Uzziah, you're doing wrong here. You need to step back because this is not going to bring God's blessing and favor in your life. All this ministry, all this stuff that you're doing, it's not what God's called you to do. This is not going to bring favor in your life. And what did Uzziah do? In his pride, he lifted up the censor like, I'm... Anger, I'm going to do whatever I want. And what happens there? Leprosy immediately over his forehead, over his body. What does leprosy do? It eats away at your skin and at your extremities. And he was a leper for the rest of his life. The Lord said, you know what entitlement will do in your heart, Carlos? It'll make you lose reverence. You'll get to a point that you can do ministry because you have all the gifts and talents that you need to do ministry, and you'll stop consulting me. And then what will happen is when you stop consulting me, you're not going to bear fruit. You're not going to notice it because you're going to be angry about it. And you're going to be critical about people who rebuke you over the fact that you're not in the place where you need to be. And when that rebuke comes... If you don't respond appropriately, that's how you're going to remain for the rest of your life. Membership of the body of Jesus Christ 
is not about entitlement. It's about a continual submission to God in reverence. Would you stand with me this morning? Amen. Thank you, sir. I believe in the body of Christ. I am so thankful for the body of Christ. If it wasn't for the body of Christ, I wouldn't be here. Gave my life at the age of 16 to the Lord Jesus. My church home saw me, a kid that was doing bad in education, you know, engaging in negative behavior and said, this ain't going to happen anymore. You're going to love God, you're going to love your teachers, and you're going to graduate. Said to me, you're not going to come to youth group until you go to night school and make sure that you finish the classes that you need to finish because you're going to graduate. Says, you're, you don't know English or Spanish well. You're going to start translating for pastor. You're going to learn Spanish, and you're going to learn English. No, you're not supposed to. It's my church family says, no, you're not just going to hang out at work at Sears. You're going to Southeastern Bible College. And sat in my house and said, I'm not leaving until you pack your bags and you come with us to Southeastern College. It's my church family who sat there and said, I know that you're bound to pornography, but God's going to set you free. And this thing's no longer going to have control of your life. And walk me through in that freedom and held me accountable. It's my church family that said, we need you to see that you've been called by God to preach the gospel. You're going to stop making less of who you are and what God's created you, who God created you to be. It's my church family. And I'm so thankful for the body of Christ. I am so thankful for the body of Christ. And today, I'm still blessed by the body of Christ. When I look at you and what God's doing in your life and the way you minister to me, I'm blessed by the body of Christ. And I'd like to welcome you, whether you're a part of the rock or God's called you to be somewhere else, engage. Engage. You're missing out on life if you're not connected. God loves you. You're saved. Right? I'm talking about salvation here. God has a plan for your life. But there is life that you're missing when you're not connected to a church body. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you would teach us to have honor and reverence for each other. I want to thank you for my pastor, Bonilla. Just turned 70 years old this week and who just called me to check up on how I'm doing. Lord, I'm a product of your faithfulness. My heart breaks for people who go to church and I, I, are isolated. My heart breaks for people, Father God, who attend church, but they're not living church. My heart breaks because uh, offense and wounds, legitimate wounds, legitimate hurts, 
Lord, and these false thoughts of the enemy have separated, have divided, have slandered the church. But, oh God, the world will know that we belong to you by the love that we have for one another. Would you revive love in your church, Jesus? Would you revive love in your church, God? Lord, I just come against this idolatry of uh, idolatrous thought of a renegade spirit that says I, I do my own thing I don't need anybody but God and Lord we just come against that rebellious spirit God break it God the church is so desperate the church God is so broken it's so wounded God because they're not doing community but God only you can reveal that today would you reveal that in our hearts today to reveal that in our hearts today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, just have two altar calls I'd like to make today. We're here ready to pray for you. But if you're here today, I want you to know something. Uh, you matter to God. And God has a plan for your life. Whether you're a believer or you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ today, you matter to the kingdom of God. And God says, yes to you. If you say yes to him, he says, I want to do life with you. I want to bring you in. I want to bring you in a community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the major prayer of Jesus, that they would be one with us as I am one with you. God wants to bring you into communion with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. So today, if you're here today and you, your life has been defined by a deep feeling of not belonging, in the name of Jesus, I come against that because you belong. God has a plan for your life. And if that's you today, would you come up to the altar? We love to pray with you. We love to connect with you. You belong. God has a purpose for your life. Do not leave this house feeling isolated. If you're here today, I want you to hear that today. We want to pray a blessing over you today. We want to let you know that you belong to the body of Christ. And we want to pray that God would reveal that reality to you today. So, today. so if that's you, would you just rush to the altar and come to a family who will embrace you, a family who will celebrate you. And we pray that God will lead you no matter where it is that he's called you to be. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? And number two. And the last, last call. You're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I don't want entitlement to ruin my life. I want to I wanna be a, a member who serves. I want to be a member who gives of the greater body of Christ. I want to be about vision and not preference. I don't want entitlement or preference to mess up my walk with Jesus. We realize today that there's some entitlement. I know I realize it today. I'm, I'm already at the altar. There's some entitlement that you got to give up to the Lord. Not only in regards to your church life, but maybe at home. The way you carry yourself with your husband, the way you carry yourself with your wife, the way you carry yourself with your kids, the way you carry yourself at work, the way you carry yourself at school. You realize that there's entitlement that you need to give up to Jesus so that you can be the witness he's called you to be. To come to the altar and say, Lord, I give up my entitlement. Teach me to walk humbly before you and before men. That's you. Would you come to the altar? We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, I thank you for your church. 
I pray your blessing and your favor over your church. Finish, I know that you will finish the work that you begin in their lives. Father, I thank you for a servant church, a giving church, a surrendered church, a church, God, that walks humbly before you and the community that they live in. Bless them in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll be praying here at the altar. We'd love to pray with you. Amen. Amen.